0: Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, we've been preaching through a series in the book of Jonah. We've titled the series, On the Run. As Jonah is on the run from the will of God, and and God is catching up with him here. He's actually, last week, of course, as we preached, he was uh, cast into the sea. He was swallowed by a great fish, and he's in the belly of this great fish. And we're going to pick up in chapter 2 tonight. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word, if you're able to. Jonah chapter 2, Jonah chapter 2 and begin reading verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice, thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about, the weeds are, were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me for forever, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, And it vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. Look with me at verse 4. We'll be looking at several of these verses, but look with me at verse 4. It says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Finally, Repentance. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. We sure do need your presence in the preaching of thy word. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin where I have failed you even this day and sinned against you. Lord, would you make me clean? Would you make me a messenger, Lord, one of the word of God, Lord, to your people, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and magnified. Lord, hide me behind the cross. May Jesus Christ be magnified in their hearts and in their eyes and their minds, Lord, tonight. And Lord, may we draw nigh to you that you might draw nigh to us. Lord, we need a touch from heaven in our souls. Strengthen us, Lord, for thy honor and thy glory, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. We find that uh, we see the turning of Jonah from rebellion and the discipline to repentance and dedication, and the Lord graciously gives him a new beginning. Aren't you glad that God is the God of new beginnings? Amen. He changes things. and man, when he saved your soul, he gave you a new beginning. Amen? Amen. There's nothing better than to think about how that uh, we were in the depths of, on our way to a devil's hell. And when we reached up and received Christ as our Savior, there was a new beginning waiting for us. Like the prodigal son, the goodness of the Lord brought Jonah to repentance. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. I, I don't know about you, but I, I thank the Lord for his mercy and his compassion. If it was not for that mercy and compassion, I, I would not be here. That's for sure. I, I guarantee you I would not be here. and I thank the Lord for that. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, "...or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance." So Jonah May and I thought it was a very good thing to get swallowed up by a great fish, but that was the goodness of God that led him to repentance. There's one thing that's needed in our lives when we sin against the Lord or when we walk away or stray away from God or, or when we are, are, are living as we should not be living in our lives, whether it's a cold heart towards God or towards the things of God and not, uh, not have a stirring in our soul. There needs to be a repentance in our lives, a turning back to the Lord, a, a coming back into that fellowship, in that closeness with God. Well, I want us to look at this tonight. Jonah finally got around to praying. Jonah finally got around to praying. In, in, in actually, in chapter one, there, if you look at the very last verse, there it says, uh, "Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah." And there, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. One of the big arguments, and, and Brother Deku, I don't know if, you, if you've had people approach you about this, but one of the big arguments was, was Jonah alive those three days and three nights? say, so, well, was he? I don't know. The only thing I can tell you is this, he prayed at some point, and very possibly prayed when he was being swallowed, I don't know, or the Lord, a great miracle would be that, yeah, that he could stay alive within that belly of that whale three days and three nights. You said, is that an impossibility? Not for God. Nothing's impossible for God. Amen. He could have stayed alive. In fact, they have found people who have been swallowed by, I forget what type of is certain type of whales and stuff that, and, and a certain type of shark that have remained alive. They had to take them to hospital and and, everything, and they was unconscious, but they remained alive. And they know of one that was at least 48 hours. And, uh, but uh, the greatest miracle is, is that, uh, that God gave repentance. Whether he was alive or whether he was dead, that you're going to have to take your position on. I can, I, I'm not going to give you my position on it. Uh, There's some things in there that makes me lean one way, and then there's a part of it that makes me lean another way. I don't know if you ever get that way about Scripture, but that's where that one is sometimes. Amen? But uh, we see that he was brought up from corruption. Corruption means death. Okay? Uh, The greatest miracle would probably be God letting him die and resurrecting him. All this is really a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You'll find that it talks about being three days and three nights in, 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 the, in the grave as Jonah was in the well. And so that is a picture of the death of Jesus Christ as he died and three days and three nights in the grave. And then he rose again from the dead. And so uh, it's one of those things that you can battle around with if you want to. I, I'm not preaching about that tonight. I'm not trying to split hairs on tonight. I just thought I'd throw that in for, for you and bother you the rest of the week. Amen. <laughs> And so uh, there's, there's, there's some good things on both sides of that argument. But first of all, let's look here. Jonah finally got around to praying. In verse 1 there it says, Then Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. Hmm. Then Jonah prayed. He hadn't prayed up till then. So then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Even though he had been asked before to pray by the ship's master... Remember the ship's master come and, and woke him out of his sleep. He said, "What oh, what are you doing now, uh, old sleeper?" And he woke him up. He said, "You need to be praying unto your God." But nowhere do we see that Jonah prayed when he's up on on the top side and things begin to really get bad and it looked like they was going to lose the whole ship and lose all the crew. He still didn't pray. When they got ready to throw him into the deep, and he told them that, hey, listen, the only way you're gonna calm this sea is you're gonna to have to cast me over. You'll see nowhere where he prayed. Then when you get down to chapter two, it says, Then Jonah prayed. Even though he had been asked before, he hadn't. Many times, you know what? We don't pray when we should. We don't pray when we should sometimes. We wait. We wait. We wait until we're thrown overboard and are swallowed before we pray and seek the Lord many times. Jonah could have prayed before he ran from God when the Lord had called him to go to Nineveh. He could have prayed and said, "God, I just I, I, I struggle with this. I don't I don't like the people of Nineveh, and maybe they there was the political reasons that they had killed family and and was a horrible people and, and they were such murderous uh, uh, people that they're in Nineveh. They was uh, they were very wicked." And he he probably was maybe was afraid and he could have but he could have prayed then and said, God, I, I need help with this. I need you to help me to be able to do what you want me to do. But he didn't pray then, evidently, either. He could have prayed before he got on the ship. But he didn't. He continued running. Jonah could have prayed before, or while he was on the ship in the storm and repented, but he didn't. Why do we so often wait? Why is it that we wait to call upon the Lord, even in the midst of our storms sometimes? It's usually because we still want our way and not God's will. We're still trying to figure out some way that will swing back our direction. We're still trying to figure out how that we can be justified in our not doing what God has told us to do. And we hang on to that. And I've known people over the years who have been saved and they've drifted from God and drifted from God. And went through this problem and through that problem and through this problem and through that problem and this problem and that problem. And they have to almost be swallowed by the great fish before you ever get where you can say, then they prayed. Then they prayed. Too many times we wait before we go to the Lord and seek Him, and the whole time everything gets worse as it goes along in our lives. I see Christians today; their lives are absolute wreck. You what would have made the difference in their lives way back in the beginning if they'd have prayed, if they'd sought the Lord with all their heart? If they had claimed some of the verses like Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If they would have sought him with all their heart and, and called unto the Lord, he would have answered them and, and helped them through the difficult times, even, even, th- even changed their hearts and helped them uh, with the struggles that they had in doing the will of God maybe in their life. Many times we wait to pray. I want you to notice something about his praying though. He prayed out of affliction and not affection. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Look at verse 2. And he said, I cried by reason of my affliction. By reason of my affliction. He didn't cry out because of his affection for God. It says, and I cried by the reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Here's a man that's, that knew what he was supposed to be doing. Here's a man that is called a prophet of God. Here's a man who has walked with the Lord and tried to serve God, otherwise, he would not have been a prophet of God. Here's a man that you would have said that loved the Lord. Here's a man that would have told others that they need, thus saith the Lord, and you need to do this in your life. And now he's he's praying. He's finally got to a place where he's praying, but it's because of his affliction. It's because of the trouble that he's in, not because he loves the Lord and the will of God. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been there? (laughs) Sometimes we get there we pray to get the problem fixed we pray because there's a problem we pray because we've been swallowed by the great fish not because it's out of love to god that lord i love you and i know that i'm doing wrong and i want to please you no it's because we're in trouble i know some people would say well god won't hear that prayer i just read it to you god did What? You mean God would even hear that prayer even though he didn't pray out of his love of his heart for the Lord and and wanting to, uh, out of the love of his heart, wanting to obey God? No, he prayed out of affliction. And the Bible says there, you can read it again, it says it twice that he heard him. He heard him. Now, is that the best type of prayer? I don't think so. But you know what? God got his attention. God got his attention. It's like if when you when you are injured, the first thing you do, maybe you was doing something wrong. It's like like when I was a a kid, and I don't remember whether I prayed about this or not, but I you know they, they, when you're when you're young and everything and you got a pocket knife and boy you just you know use the pocket knife any old way and, and they always tell you, now be careful with that knife or you'll cut yourself. Nah. We was making homemade ice cream. Praise the Lord. back then we didn't go and buy bags of ice we we took a, milk jugs and we'd fill them up with with water put them in the freezer and then we'd take those those milk jugs out and we'd take a hammer and we'd beat the far out of that milk jug and break that ice up in there and then we'd take a pocket knife and cut that i that plastic jug off and and put that into the ice cream freezer And boy we'd make some fine homemade ice cream amen praise the lord amen it's Amen. praise the lord homemade ice cream. anyway the fact is is that the smart person that I was as a kid, i put my hand on that jug like that, and I had that pocket knife, and I'd come right around like that towards me. And I don't know if you know anything about ice, but it's slick. And that knife come off of that thing and right through that right there, and uh, it cut that that right there where you that web comes together between your thumb and this and your in your your palm right the upper part of your palm right there. And I looked down in there, and man, you can see all the little tendons and all the little muscles and all that little stuff down in there. And it hadn't started bleeding yet because I guess it was on it was told cold from that ice. Now done something pretty stupid. You know, sometimes we do something that's pretty stupid, and we start praying out of the affliction. Many times in our lives, we're not praying because of our love for God and wanting to obey. It's because of the affliction, the struggle that we got in our lives at that time. And like I said, many times people think, well, the Lord's not going to hear that type of prayer. Yes, he does. He, he heard that. And he used that in his life. cried unto the Lord because he was in danger, not because he delighted in the Lord. But as I said, it's better that he prayed than not to pray. It's better that he went ahead and prayed, though his reason was not as it should be. It would have been wonderful if he would have prayed with an understanding the importance of taking the word of God to those in Nineveh. It would have been great if he had said, Lord, I have sinned against you. And, Lord, I see now and I understand. Lord, you're a loving God and you love me and you're correcting me so that I'll take the word of God to Nineveh. Lord, I want to take the word of God to Nineveh and see them get saved because, Lord, you love them like you love me. That wasn't what he was praying He so said, what do you think he was praying? Help! Get me out of here. He was praying and seeking the Lord. And things begin to change in his mind and change in his heart. Like Jonah, too often we find the will of God only in our own emergency of prayer for ourselves. See, I don't, what do you mean? Sometimes while we're praying because of the emergency in our lives, we begin to see the emergency in other people's lives. And sometimes when we're going through the emergency in our lives and praying and asking God, we begin to realize that there's a need in the lives of others around us. I believe Jonah began to awaken a little bit because of the emergency in his life and the praying that he was doing. Jonah was not experiencing what the sailors... Or Jonah was now, as, as he was in this, this belly of this great fish, he was now experiencing, as he was praying, he was now experiencing what those sailors were experiencing on board that ship thinking they were going to lose their lives. He was beginning to feel what they felt. And as he's praying, he's no doubt he's beginning to, to understand that his helplessness and his hopelessness in him is the same thing that has taken place with those in Nineveh, those wicked sinners and, and, and wicked people who were helpless and, and hopeless without the word of God, without the, the commands of God, without the preaching coming to them. They was hopeless and helpless with without any hope of ever having, uh, uh, being able to, to live through what God was going to do in their lives. Now he was the Experiencing that himself. Sometimes in our prayers we begin to understand and see how somebody else... It's kind of like this. Sometimes when we're talking to somebody that's lost and don't know Jesus Christ our Savior, we, are, we, don't, we get kind of bent out of shape and we don't realize where we came from. Sometimes we're so judgmental about people who get... Who, who, who were trying to lead to the Lord and, they, and they're, they're just not getting it and they're not wanting to get it. And and we don't stop and realize, hey, that was, used to be me. Amen. That used to be me that rejected the word of God. That used to be me. Uh, maybe when we're trying to help somebody that's went away from God and, the, and, they're, and they're struggling with it and they're and they're not coming back to the Lord and, and we get aggravated with them and we, and we, we almost uh, belligerent to them and, and we need to stop and realize that you know what? We've, we've sat there in that same seat before. And so sometimes in our emergencies, in our prayer and God reminds us and helps us to have a compassionate heart for those who have failed Him. Sometimes it's Somebody don't seem to make the, what we call the grade on what they ought to be as a Christian, where they're supposed to be spiritually and everything. And we, if we're not careful, we become judgmental of them, and we forget where we come from. Yeah, right. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to judge. And so sometimes in our affliction, God reminds us, it helps us to see that others, their need in their lives and what they went through. Every one of us, don't no care who you are, there's times when God has to allow that affliction in our lives to get us to a place where we're seeking him so that we understand what somebody else is going through. You see, prayer is one of the constant miracles of the Lord in our lives. Just like everybody else, you have those needs and those where you're constantly praying for somebody that's going through. I mean, we've been in that, in that mode with Janine's brother, praying for him and praying for him. And every time we would pray and even through the day, I'd be sitting in my desk or going someplace else and I'd be praying for him, driving. Lord, would you would you heal his body? Lord, would you raise him up? Lord, would you give the doctor's wisdom? And you've been there. You do that. You've been there. You, you constantly, you know what I'm talking about. Prayer is one of the greatest miracles that there is. That we have a God that hears our prayer. Here's what is even greater, uh, uh, Matt, is that just like Jonah, far away from God, rebellious towards God. And he hears him. He said, you heard me. What a miracle that in my wickedness and in my disobedience towards God, that he would hear my prayer. Oh, that may not mean nothing to you, but boy, I tell you what, it means a lot to me. Verse one, there he said, he cried it by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. Notice what he says, and he heard me. Then he'll go on and says, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. What a blessing that the Lord hears our cry, and not ours only, but even millions at once. Every one of you have been around some place, maybe got a, like a, like a mom that's got five or six kids around her and they're, wait, 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 hold it one at a time, not God, millions at once and he hears everyone as though you are the only one praying. And he looks upon your affliction like you're the only one going through that affliction. Ephesians six eighteen is a tremendous verse. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. That's praying also for all saints. When you stop and really consider the thrust of that verse and what it means for the child of God, it would be something like this. I must pray, pray, pray. I must pray. uh, I must put all of my energy and all of my heart into prayer. And of all that I do, I must pray. That's what he's saying. Why is it that we don't understand how important prayer is until we're thrown overboard? Why is it that we don't understand it, boy, the great privilege that we have in the good times when the sun's shining, there's no storm, they have got a nice little breeze blowing through, and the fish are biting, and the homemade ice cream is a-churning, and the sweet teas are sitting there for you, and I tell you what, everything is just good, and everything's great. Why is it that we don't pray then like we ought to? Tell preacher I do. Well, good. Praise the Lord. We all need to and we need to do it consistently, in the good and the bad. The question may be asked today, why do we see so few of God's children with victory in their lives? I'd say the answer is, is that we see so few who truly pray. So few that truly pray. So they don't experience the victory that they could. Number three, Jonah's attitude changed toward his situation in the form of acceptance and repentance. He had been kind of pushing against God, but now it's his attitudes changed. Here, look in verse three with me. It says, For thou hast cast me into the deep. He's admitting what's that God did it. In the midst of the seas and the floods can pass me about, all my billows, or all thy billows, thy waves pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. But notice what he says, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters can pass me about even to the soul. The depth closed round about me, uh, around around about, closed, closed me round, and about the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me. Uh, forever, yet, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Jonah was acknowledging that it was God who was disciplining him. It wasn't just a freak accident but it was God that was working in his life because he had done wrong and he deserved it. He was now looking at it differently than what he did before. You know how we respond to discipline determines how much benefit we're going to get from it. Think about that for a minute. How we respond to the discipline of God determines how much benefit we're going to get out of it. The scripture bears out that we have options of how we're going, to, how we, how we can respond. In Hebrews chapter twelve, it talks about that we can despise it. In Hebrews twelve five, it says, "And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him." So there can be that resisting the chastisement of the Lord. The the discipline of God, we can, we can resist it. And, and, and But when we do, be careful because you're going to invite a stronger, a stronger discipline into your life. Example? Young man one day was in trouble. And the teacher... Took him out into the hall. She gave him three swats. And he stood there and laughed at her. She said, Okay, young man, down to the principal's office. The principal took him, said, to Bend over the desk. And he thought he would laugh again. The preacher reaches over, or not the preacher, but the, the principal reaches over, grabs the paddle. Wham. The boy comes up off the desk. Oh. He said, bend back over. But that hurt! He said it's supposed to. Bend back over. He gives him another swat. He comes up again. He said, stop, stop. And He puts his hands back. He said, you take your hands away, put them back on the desk. Or I'll hit your hands. By this time, the tears are starting to roll down the boy's eyes, Albie's eyes. He puts his hands back on the desk. And one more lick comes across and he screams out and starts crying. If he would have taken the discipline the right way the first time, the discipline wouldn't have been increased. Can I tell you something? If you don't get the benefits from the discipline the first time, God will increase the discipline in your life. Say, give me a biblical example. When the children of Israel disobeyed God, what happened? They wandered in the wilderness until all those that were above 20 years old died. All through the wilderness as they was coming, he had to keep disciplining them. And finally he said, okay, that's enough. Can I tell you that in our lives there's a benefit of learning from discipline of God. Finally, what we see here is I think that Jonah has... Learn the benefit of the discipline that he's going through. I think his attitude has changed and he's beginning to look at it. Hebrews 12, 11 talks about the benefit of it. How that if we submit to it, we learn. Hebrews twelve eleven says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. He said, you know what? He said it can bring fruit into your life and make you a stronger Christian to live for God. Sometimes the troubles that you're going through and sometimes the, the discipline that God has to use in your life, his whole reasoning for that is not just because he's punishing you, but he's trying to get you to grow in him closer to obey. What made the difference and saved Jonah was his turning to the Lord and claiming God's promises, even in in his discipline for his rebellion against God. Look at verse 4 there. It says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. And notice what he says. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Did you ever think about how hard that would be when you're in the belly of a big fish and you're at the bottom of the sea and you don't know whether you're pointing north, south, east, west, or where you're at? He said, I'm going to look towards your holy temple, and I'm going to pray, God. You could have said, where's Jerusalem at, Jonah? He couldn't tell you. But in his heart, in his heart, he said, Lord, wherever it's at, that's where my face is. I'm looking to you. I'm no longer looking to me. And that, you see, that was the whole principle behind that, to look unto God. Because the temple at that time was the dwelling place of God here on earth, where they made the sacrifices, where the priest went in and met uh, uh, before God. And he said, I'm going to look towards the temple. Otherwise, he said, I'm going to look towards you, God. I'm looking to you. I'm no longer looking at self. I'm no longer doing what I want to do. I'm looking to you. Verse 6, notice what he says. I went down to the bottom of the mountains, and the earth with her bars uh, was about, about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. And notice what he says. "O Lord, my God. He said, you're my God. We see the repentance here. Verse 7 says when thou, when my soul fainted within me notice what it says, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. and My prayer came in unto me into thine holy temple. Jonah was a prophet of God and he knew the promise that was given to them. It was given to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 8. Here's the promise. When when Solomon dedicated the temple of God. Here's what he prays he says, "What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people, 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 38. by all thy people Israel, which shall know ever uh, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, otherwise his own sin, and spread forth his hands towards this house, talking about the temple of God, then thou Then hear thou in in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men, that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. And if you was to go on and read, the Lord said, I will do exactly that, if they will look unto this place, and if they will pray unto me and ask for forgiveness, he said, I'll forgive them. Yeah, said, oh, boy, I'll tell you what, thats great back in the Old Testament, wasn't it? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The promises of God. If we'll repent and ask forgiveness of our sin against our God, he'll hear our cry and receive it and forgive. But you know what the problem is, is the great need is for each of us to like Jonah, we've got to trust that promise of forgiveness. There's some maybe sitting here that there may have been things in your life that you've asked God to forgive you, but you've never really accepted that he forgave you. You know why? Because you haven't forgiven yourself. You don't have any right to hold that against yourself if you've asked God to forgive you. You said, what? Oh, yeah. I've had people say, well, preach, I've ask the Lord to forgive me. But I just can't forgive myself. Can I tell you something very nicely? That's wicked and it's wrong. The reason is for this. If God said that he would forgive you, what makes your judgment greater than God's judgment? God said, I'll forgive you. That means that you got to forgive yourself and go on. You know, I talked about cutting my hand. There's a scar there, but you can just barely see it. You'd never really know it because of all the the lines in the hand, but I've got scar there, I've got, I've got one right there, I've got one in my knee, I've got one in my side, I've got one there, I've got three back here, I've got one in my nose, I've got one in my tongue. I've got them all over me. They're still there, but I seldom ever think about them. And you know what? They don't ever hurt. So evidently the one don't hurt in your tongue the well, way you're hollering all the time. The bottom line is is that yeah it may leave a scar but you know what I still carry a pocket knife I got cut there with a pocket knife I got a scar there from a pocket knife I got a scar right there from a pocket knife he said we're gonna take your pocket knife away from you no no you're not <laughs> men carry pocket knives you guys get that down I still carry a pocket knife, even though I've cut myself a bunch of times. It wasn't the pocket knife. It was my stupidity. I got over it. You say, do you think you'll ever cut yourself again? Yep. (laughs) But I'm still going to carry a pocket knife. You know what? God forgives us. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to go on. Jonah had come to an end of himself there he come to an end and asked the Lord to forgive him. Repentance always means a change of heart and a change of direction. Jonah, in verse, look here in verse 8 and 9, says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He says, I'll, He says, he said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Do you know what he's saying there? He said, you know what, I lied. The lying vanities that he was talking about, was, uh, it was his own heart trying to justify him running from the will of God. He said, if I wouldn't, he said, if I wouldn't admit it and if I wouldn't get it right, he said, then I couldn't have mercy. He said, I would be forsaken mercy. He said, I'm going to admit it. So he's admitting that he was wrong. He was admitting that it was sin against a holy God. And so he, he admits that, that he was wrong, and he goes on. Jonah vows then to obey the Lord and gives thanks for, for saving him in advance. He gave him thanks. He wasn't out of, out of the fish's belly yet, but he gave him thanks. Can I tell you that when you're praying and talking to the Lord and, and you're in affliction, why don't you just go ahead and thank him for the deliverance? <laughs> I'm, not out of the, I'm not out of the woods yet. Yeah, and you're not going to get out of the woods until you learn to thank him while you're in the woods. Need to thank him for his deliverance. But how's he going? I don't know how he's going to do it. But what if it, it doesn't matter? Go ahead and thank him anyways. But what if it don't turn out the way I want it to? Then it probably turned out the way he wanted to. Amen. And thank him that he's in control and he'll bring it about the way he wants to bring it about. Those lying vanities in our lives is when we try to justify ourselves. Jonah's come to the end of himself and and now is surrendered to do what the Lord has told him to do. We see the the humbling delivery of Jonah. Look at verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. Can you imagine what this guy looks like? Can you imagine what he smells like? I said earlier that there had been some people, and they know of one guy that was in the, that, that fish's belly for 48 hours because they'd fell off the ship, and they was later able to, to kill this thing and get it in. And when they cut it open, he was in there. He'd been in there. They, they clocked it. He'd been there about 48 hours. All the hair on his arms was bleached out, and his skin had turned yellow, and all the hair on his head and stuff had fell out. And he was a horrible-looking mess because of the acids that was in that fish's stomach. Can you imagine what he smells like? Jonah talked about the weeds that was wrapped around his head, and no doubt there was dead fish and everything else in there. And all all that acid in the stomach of that whale or fish, whatever you want to call it. The New Testament says whale. The the Old Testament says a great fish. and, 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 And you can imagine as that thing, it didn't say that it opened his mouth and he walked out. I hate to be gross, but the whale went up to the edge of the, of the land and went, Amen. and I guarantee you it wasn't just Jonah that came out. Amen. He was a stinky mess. He was a horrible sight to look at. I imagine he really got the attention of the people in Nineveh when he came into town. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Humbled by his delivery to where he was supposed to go. You know, we can obey God, humble ourselves, even though we don't want to do what God has asked us to do and told us to do, we can humble ourselves and say, okay, God, I'll do it. And we can have a delivery that don't stink. or God can deliver you and humble you in a very stinky way. You see, the whole thing was that Jonah had to be humbled. He delivered him on that ground. A job to do. Lord has all has a way of humbling us even in deliverance. See, it's always better to humble yourself than for the Lord to have to do it. Listen to the words of a man by the name of Peter, who knew what it was to be humbled by the Lord. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and begin verse 5 says, Likewise you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Peter never it seemed like he never was subject to nobody for a while. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Oh, that we'd search our own hearts and humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. That that he may use us for his own honor and glory. Jonah finally repented, Jonah finally prayed, Jonah finally was humbled. And Jonah finally got delivered. You want deliverance? Repent. Pray. Humble yourself. We got too many people who are going through the storms and going through the difficulties, going through being swallowed by the the great fish, you might say, and they're still defiant. And won't humble themselves and they won't pray and they won't repent I meet them every once in a while born-again Christians they say I have no reason to doubt otherwise because the Lord will chastise his own children and discipline them he won't chastise the devil's children and discipline the devil's children but he will his own. Oh, that we would learn ahead of time. You know, it's just a little better to humble yourself. Just a little better to pray ahead of time. What if Jonah would have just prayed in the beginning? Might have saved him a lot of problems. He finally repented. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your mercies and goodness to us. Sometimes, Lord, we don't want to humble ourselves and use an altar. Sometimes we don't want to humble ourselves and admit that we're wrong. Sometimes we don't want to humble ourselves and admit that we're in the midst of a storm. Help us, Lord, to repent, Lord, to pray, to seek your face. Jonah waited a long time. Help us not to wait, but help us to humble ourselves so that you don't have to humble us. Have your will and way, Lord, I pray. In this invitation, may we glorify you for this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?